This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I'm Tia, your host for this very special edition mini-sode. We asked our amazing listeners to make donations in support of the protests calling for racial justice, and a huge thanks to Louise Palermo, who uh, unlocked this episode with Kwanzaa Osajifo, who is the creator of the comic book series Black, and a very good friend of mine. Hi, Kwanzaa. Hey, Tia. How's it going? It's going all right. How are you? I'm quarantined at home. What about you? <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> I I was just thinking, like, I have not had human contact since April 19th. Oh, wow. You're doing a little better than me. I've been locked down since February because I had, I was, I had taken time off to go to um, Emerald City Comic Con. So I've been at home since Emerald City. Well, I started quarantine March 7th, but I was with family. And then April 19th, I came back to my apartment in New York. So I'm in my little tiny studio apartment all by my lonesome. Well, I have my oh, plants. Well. My plant children are thriving. Well, that, that all counts. It's consecutive. It's <laughs> yeah. 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 But, you know, a uh, lot going on in the world. Too much, in fact. I mean, it's sort of a it's sort of a space where you're like, can we just have something not happen for like yeah. a month? You know, like let's have some not let's be bored again. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was I was thinking that we're almost at our two year friend anniversary. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I think this San Diego would have would have been two years. No, last San Diego was two years. No, last San Diego was one year. Yeah, so you're yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. What's time now anyway? <laughs> no, I know, exactly. We met on we met at a at a party on a rooftop and I feel like that par- the party was winding down and we mm. were both standing there separately alone judging everybody's outfits and then we looked at each other <laughs> and we realized that we could make no critique. We had finally found a friend who was yeah. dressed at our level <laughs> and it was very and, instantaneous. Yes, and and we have been uh, snarky fashion critics of the comic book industry ever since. <laughs> well, you know they 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 make it fun for us. I know. I do better, you guys. Well, there are there are some really notable exceptions who like step it up, and I'm proud of them. But yeah, for the most part, I feel like um, we really need to lead by example, and we do. Absolutely, I actually think that the shifting demographics conventions has helped that drastically because ladies come prepared (laughs) i've seen much better outfits this year and i think it's had a little bit of impact on on men and stuff like that and then of course like you know we are having like huge growth in the lgbtqia attendance so it's like outfits are coming whether it's cosplay or how you dress every day i'm i'm very much looking forward to the next 10 years of con attendance whenever we can go back to conventions I know, especially because we're all like quarantined, like doing our, our, you know, our skin is going to be so nice because we're not like out in the sun getting sit, sit, uh, sun damage. And, you know, we could do our little like quarantine body weight workouts at home and like order a bunch of shit online. And then we're just going to all emerge like so desperate to have outfits, <laughs> you oh, know, besides pajamas. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying. I really want to have a debut. Like, I want I want everybody to like have an Adele moment when I come back. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, 
whoa, <laughs> what were you doing during quarantine? Just like push ups. <laughs> you know, it's like, but you know what? It's okay. Like, I think that the that the quarantine glow up is going to happen whether or not people are like actively trying to do it just because we're all going to be so happy to see each other. Oh my God. And that's the weird thing coming back to it's like everything really is going to be changed fundamentally. I mean, of course, like the comics chat, so we could talk about that. But I mean, in terms of like how people interact with each other, like I am like, I'm a hermit, but I am kind of desperate for a human contact right now. And it's just sort Me of like, too. What? I can't have any or like, how do we do that? And I'm like, New York, like, like LA is probably going to do great because it's like great weather all the time so like everything's going to just become outdoor eating where you can distance people and like socialize but any place that has like a lot of indoor stuff like minnesota is screwed i know <laughs> like, any place you're locked in with people's breath and like germs like, <laughs> uh-uh, uh-uh. so you're going to come visit me when i move to la this fall is what you're saying absolutely and like it's like even me just making that statement has made me reconsider my position on like LA. I'm like, oh, I don't have to like live there, but I should like figure something out. Yeah, just you know. Well, you're welcome anytime to come visit. Well, awesome. I will very likely take you up on that, depending on where you live. By the beach. So Santa Monica. No, no, probably South Bay, where I grew up. It's quieter there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what that we're going for down there. You know what? We're just we're, we're going for quiet. Like I I live on Broadway <laughs> in Manhattan and yeah. like I just want quiet. You don't have to tell me. Like I live up in the Bronx, like not too far from Broadway, but it doesn't really matter and I know everybody's been experiencing the fireworks, but it's been like oh my god. Really extra here. I'm just like did did you buy them before the quarantine? <laughs> and you just been I, waiting? <laughs> I know. And then Macy's is like, we're just going to have, what did they call it? Surprise delight. Instead of giving people like an advance notice for when they're doing fireworks, they're going to do it like around the city by like by surprise. Cause that's what everybody wants right now. Yeah. It's like, well, that's already happening. So you're just trying to like, are you trying to cash in on something we don't want? <laughs> <laughs> I just want peace and quiet so I can sit down and read my comic books. Yes. I mean, honestly, that's something I've been thinking about so much now. It's like, where can I go in the city where there's just peace and quiet? Like, I'm I'm looking at, like, those new build high rises now going, like, how high up can I afford? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get me off the street. It's true. So, okay. Um, let's talk about comic books on that note. Sure. You make comic books. You are a writer. And uh, can you just give our listeners, in case they live under a rock and have not heard uh, about Black, like, can you give us the sort of overview? I can. So Black is probably what I'm most known for. And the premise of the story is, what if only Black people had superpowers? Um, The story is about this young man, Kareem Jenkins, who unfortunately has a run-in with the police and gets shot and killed. Um, but it's a superhero story, so in our fictional universe, he comes back to life, finds out he has superpowers, and he's part of a small percentage of Black people that have had superpowers for, like, centuries. But, of course, it's been kept a secret because that would be disruptive to society. <laughs> but that's sort of his challenge throughout the entire story is struggling with, you know, whether or not to keep this a secret, knowing that 
you know, the world is still going to continue on as we know it, like right now, or if he should expose the fact that, you know, black people have superpowers, knowing that, like, in all honesty, that could make things worse. So it's a double-edged sword for him to, like, try and figure that out at, at, at the wise old age of 15 years old. Right. And so there's the black series and then there there's actually like kind of an I don't want to say expanded universe maybe that's not the right way to put it but but kind of maybe yeah right because we you have other books within the black universe that explore different superheroes or villains uh, as the case may be yes so I mean after I, I had always hoped or thought of black is a trilogy so kind of like Star Wars so Black would be like New Hope, and then the sequel, White, is sort of like Empire Strikes Back, and then we'll have the, you know, conclusion, you know, as, you know, Return of the Jedi sort of uh, uh, lineup. So if that gives you any indication of where the story is going to go, yeah, you're probably going to go on. But the, but the uh, Black AFs are basically interstitials between uh, those stories. So there's time jumps. White takes place three years after Black. And so the first one that we did was America's Sweetheart. And that was just something I really wanted to do in the universe, just to, like because it's a story that I just had in my head, but also because I wanted to like flex a little bit and show people that the world of black wasn't simply this, you know, um, story about, you know, uh, black trauma in the way that, you know, a lot of us know it, which is our interactions with the police, which is oppression, which is discrimination in that more violent and like, you know, uh, aggressive sort of way. So America's Sweetheart was me, you know, showing that we could tell a YA story, something for like a general audience. And it's about this young woman, Ellie Franklin, who is the most powerful person on the planet. Um, but she doesn't know that anyone else has superpowers because she's being raised by her rural religious white family in uh, Helena, Montana, which has, has like the lowest population of black people out of the United States. So she's growing up on a farm with like all of her siblings and stuff. And, you know, she basically has, you know, like enormous powers. So spoiler alert, people do find out black people have superpowers at the end of black, but I think you kind of could see that coming. Right. Um, and that's where the story kind of jumps off. So she sees people's reactions to this and feels that, you know, she doesn't want people to fear black people or herself just because they have powers. And, you know, with her upbringing, you know, she decides that, okay, I'll become a superhero and show them that there's nothing to fear and, you know, I can actually help. So she dons like a flag motif, like outfit and stuff like that, that I designed because, you know, who doesn't want to de- design a, a, a Captain America robot? <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, she goes about doing the traditional superhero stuff, you know, saving cats from trees, stopping runaway trains, you know, and what her and her conflict in the story is that, like, even though she's doing all these good things because of the world that we live in and this story is based on, you know, people kind of question her motives. You know, why did she save people in that particular neighborhood? Why did she stop that particular crime? And, you know, being a young woman who's very, like, you know, altruistic, you know, this is, you know, a conflict for her because she's doing all the right things. And then she meets a character who, you know, has similar abilities and looks at her and says, like, yeah, you're a fool. <laughs> they don't love you. She's like, here's, here's what's going to happen. And they, you know, they have conflicting views that, you know, in traditional comic style comes to blows. Um, and it's really a story about, you know, being a good person in a world that maybe doesn't necessarily deserve you. 
So I think that it's really interesting that both of the main characters in these two books are teenagers, but you you describe uh, America's Sweetheart as explicitly a YA story. Um, and so is that something that, like, I don't know, I guess I would love to dig into that a little bit more and, like, what makes you feel like so what makes something a YA story to you other than the, than the character, the main character's age? Well, I think in this particular case, I wanted to deal with a different conflict again, that didn't like have its like core catalyst be around violence against black people, but uh-huh. still covered those themes of discrimination, those themes of like prejudice, those themes of trying to fit in, in a country that, you know, systemically has a lot of like prejudice against you just based on who you are and kind of not fitting that mold of the stereotype they have for you, you know? And I felt like that really spoke a lot more to like a YA genre than like, like black, which, you know, really lends itself a lot more towards like a more traditional mainstream, like, you know, aggressive conflict. And and in some respects, you can even look at them in terms of like, you know, traditional male, female, like, you know, ways of like dealing with situations. <laughs> you know? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, it's like the traditional male is like, you know, kill it, eat it, punch it. <laughs> and, and she, like, even though it's an action comic in America's Sweetheart, a lot more of the conflicts are, those of you know the heart the soul like you know and even though there's stuff that's dealt with physically it's not the first response to what's going on in the book you know the first response you know or or the repeated responses for her to try and like settle things in a way that doesn't require everybody being like harmed you know Mm -hmm. yeah and so i think i think that has a, a little bit more of the why bent to it because you tend to, those books tend to like require the characters to think a little bit more. I think even the covers of, you know, like the, the, uh, the uh, costume that you designed here, like it's super cute, right? Like it's a really great outfit. It has like, you know, the, the, the design on the cover of the graphic novel for America's Sweetheart is like, it's really colorful and you know, I love I love the covers for Black, but they are they are very very powerful in a in a way that is uh, certainly uh, more mature, more heavy. I think a little bit. And the cover artist is uh, Kari Randolph for Black. Yes, yes. yeah. Uh, I mean, did you just sort of hand it over to him and say, you know? do your magic or did you have input with him with, with the covers for black? So it was funny because, you know, I'm a big fan of Kari's. I've always, I always have been, and we had, you know, already had uh, a rapport before we even worked together because everybody always thought we were each other in the comic. (laughs) I guess there's worse people to be confused with. Sure, but it's just like, for us, it's like we literally don't look alike. No, <laughs> well, no, you don't. Still no, you don't. Like, ah, well, we did dress alike a little bit for a while, but yeah. You both wear hats. This is true. Uh, you both have faces. Yes, that's what it was. It was the faces. They were brown. That yeah. Was it. Yeah. Um, but, 
you know, I was a huge fan. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his work, and I wanted to bring that to the covers for Black because I felt like it, you know, his style spoke to the culture and like reflected, you know, what I thought people would respond to. And you know, after reading the story, Kari, you know, he he wanted to take a slightly different approach than you know what he's known for on this because he felt strongly about the work as well. And you know, we were talking about stuff, and he kind of just said like, "All right, here's the deal. Like, just." let me come out. I have an idea. And the only thing I can tell you about it is Banksy. And the minute he said that, I was like, cool, go. I love Banksy. <laughs> like, like whatever that is, I want to see it. And he delivered what has become like essentially the iconic representation of black. And that cover set the tone for the rest of the covers, because originally it was just going to be a graphic novel. We did the Kickstarter, right. but people, you know, really wanted to see it a lot sooner and stuff. And it was my first time, you know, even making a comic book. So I was like, okay, periodicals, let's do that. And once that was sort of the setup, we decided, okay, we're going to do six covers. What what can we do to follow up <laughs> that first cover? And I think we managed pretty well. Like, you know, there was a lot of back and forth between me and Kari and stuff like that. But, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a great collaboration. And I think we delivered uh, covers that will be, known in the industry for quite some time it's in comparison a lot of covers you know i think i think covers come and go but i think we established six pieces of art honestly absolutely i mean and you and you um recently did them did some of them as t-shirts yeah so we had we had experimented with t-shirts and that sort of stuff before just like playing around but i mean like that's a whole nother like doing retail and merchandising is a whole nother headache um but it was after the protests that started you know following george floyd's murder that you know i think a lot of people but particularly myself was just feeling like what can what can i do to help support you know these people aside from actually being out there with them and one of the things that had come up was like, you know, protesters being arrested and held, held on, held, held on bail. And, you know, being, being a black person in America, like the bail system is yet, is just another system for, you know, really kind of oppressing us in a sense that like, you know, bails are set at amounts that on average, no, no person can pay, but on average income of a of a black person, especially the ones that police target, it's not something that it's not money that they have on hand, you know, so it's very predatory. And so we wanted to, you know, take that art and put it on these t-shirts again so that we could raise money for these uh, bail funds. So we set each one of the covers to on a t-shirt and each one of those t-shirts goes towards a specific uh, organization that uh, funds bail for people who are wrongly, well, not, wrongly but people protesters who are being like held in in holding and you know it just felt like something that i could do to help people you know and i ran it by the team and everybody was cool with it so i kind of scrambled i didn't know what i was doing at first because i was just like how do you even like how do you even like give away money that you earn like how does that work and like when you set up a store like you know everybody's taking their cut like how do we do that so it was a learning process like everything (laughs) <laughs> that seems yeah. to be doing. But, you know, at the end of the day, it kind of worked out. And, you know, even when we had some hiccups with the vendor because of COVID, like I had to put it on pause for a bit, but now everybody's shirts have been going out so I can restart it up again. And, and it feels good. It feels good to just use your art for something that's not like, you know, going into your pockets and stuff like that. So 
I kind of feel, you know, like it's something I'd like to continue doing in some fashion, you know, yeah. um, because this is going to be ongoing. So I, I'm, I'm really thinking about that and doing t-shirts and like hats and stuff like that has always been something I've been really into. So I even launched my own personal store recently. Um, I debuted it on like very, very spaceship last week, you know, just me kind of taking like my love of pop art and like, you know, artists who I love like Andy Warhol and Takashi Murakami and trying to, you know, create art that is also merchandise, you know, things you can buy, things you can wear. We'll definitely have to put a link to that in the show notes. Um, but don't let anything sell out before I get to look at it first. Uh, that won't be a problem because right now I've just kind of left it open. I'm being like very, I'm I'm not being a perfectionist for once. <laughs> yeah. That, that tends to hang me up a lot. And I'm just like trying to take this, my personal shop as an opportunity to say like, all right, I have an idea. I want to make a, a piece. I'm just going to put it online. And if you like it, great. I sold a shirt or I sold a hat or what have you, but you know, really kind of give myself some freedom to not be perfect. Um, so I launched four different like thematic lines with the shop. Um, one is uh, is called uh, We Is Me, which is basically me um, sort of breaking down the words we and me and the American flag in the form of like these um, parallel bars and stuff so that it looks like a deconstructed American flag, but it also can look like the word we and me. And really it was just like a response to like the idea of like things like the American flag and other symbols being used to make a, 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 a statement about America that I don't think matches our ideals. I think now because of like current politics, you know, a lot of people have very visceral reactions to the American flag. You know, it's, Right. It's, you know, either you it's either you support it in a way that can be problematic or you don't feel like you can support it in a way because it's problematic. You know, it's like it's this very co-opted thing. And I wanted to create some articles that people could wear that really spoke to the idea that, you know, America, you know, American idealistically are supposed to stand together and build together and that it is not a country where it's just red or white or blue. It's red, white and blue. You know, so I created hats that like are all three of those colors and different combinations and stuff like that. And, you know, I would love to see people wearing them instead of like MAGA hats, you know, or people who feel like they can't wear an American flag hat or, or feel a certain level of patriotism might be able to wear it. Because also you're not supposed to wear the flag. Yeah, that's right. true. It's, it's not. It's against the flag codes. That's true. There are ways for all of us to actually like, you know, say like, we're all Americans, we're, we're, we're in this together, we're working together in a way that I think can be meaningful, you know, and that's just one aspect of what I'm trying to do with the store and like, how I'm trying to express in an artistic way. I have read and heard from you about your background in comics and, and kind of just getting into the creation of comics because you didn't see yourself represented and you had these stories in your head and you started getting involved in the industry. Um, what got you into fashion? And obviously we both see a connection because that's how we met. Yeah. Um, you know, like, do you ever, can you, can you untangle those threads a little bit? Well, 
Yes, because I mean, I my love of comics is fundamentally my love of pop art. Like I love, love, love like pop art. I like stuff that's kinetic. I like bold colors and shapes, and I like the combinations of them. I like, you know, a, a, a smart silhouette and like a complementary pop like palette. Like all of these things have always, you know, been something that were very that spoke to me when I was a kid. One of the things I used to spend a lot of time on when I used to draw was redesigning characters. Like I hated all of their costumes. They're, <laughs> They're awful. Trash. Yeah. They're I, have, yeah. <laughs> I have had knockdown fights about how awful Superman's costume is. Oh, it's and hideous. It's hideous. And it's like, I can, I can get with you with the color combos and stuff like that, but there's so many things that are like off. Like when they got rid of the red trunks, I was like, okay, we're going somewhere. You know, like, like and I get the up. history. I understand the history and like where it comes from, but like, we're not old timey strong men anymore. And you can't expect these characters to be relevant wearing their underwear on the outside. Right. And it's not even a complimentary, like blue and red. No. <laughs> <laughs> And it changes, like, depending on who the colorist is. It's like, this is mess. Like, what is this? Yes, yes. You know, and if you're going to wear a cape, man, come on. Like, and you know? a costume that I think are, like, classic. Like, I'm very much about, like, the open collar. Like, I think I'm very much about, like, you know, his, his sleeve coming up above his wrist because it insinuates, like, a working class kind of character. There's elements to it that are, like, very, like, powerful and important. But... There's also just a lot of stuff where it's just like, oh, my God, who dresses you in the morning? <laughs> I mean, if we had a dollar for every time we thought that in comics environments. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> that's why like, anytime that it comes up, just like in like meaningless like chatter online, if anybody's like, oh, you should have Kwanzaa over at like DC or Marvel. It's like, you don't even, the crossover event wouldn't even be like some big thing. It would be me just fixing their costumes. Yes. Like that would be the number one priority. It's like, all right, guys, we just can't have you going out into the public with this look. This is not how this is not how we serve justice or how we serve. <laughs> so, oh my god. I just thought of an idea. We're gonna make this comic. No one steal our idea. A person who the the superheroes go to for styling, the stylist to the superheroes. Oh my god, that person would be so upset. That's actually my favorite part of The Incredibles. Yes. <laughs> they have a stylist, and I'm just like, yes. This is everything that happened in those moments was so important. Because even when you look at their costumes, like, yes, they do the underwear on the outside, but they're complimentary, so they don't look bad. Like, the black on red underwear, I'm like, I can, I can stand that. I can sure, get my yeah. eyes that because the color combo is right. It's like, you don't put red on blue like that on a blue field. Like, <laughs> what? Why? What is wrong with you? <laughs> like, yeah. It's funny because when I was working on the Smallville comic at DC, we had an opportunity to finally put Clark in his costume. And I worked very hard. Like we actually were the first ones to get rid of those red trunks um, to get rid of those to break up the blue field so it wasn't so it didn't just look like long johns and we did different kind of blues and stuff like that and like worked in the yellow in a way that was like really tasteful and complimentary but like it's it it's still just a mess it's funny because that just made me think i just ordered the entire omnibus of uh wonder woman from the 52 era that like cliff chang and brian azarello worked on because yeah. as far as i'm concerned that is the only wonder woman now 
and like I will fight anybody because that was Cliff brought it like he fixed that character visually and like everybody has just gone back to like mess with her costume and stuff like that but like that was like that was amazing that was amazing Wonder Woman right there she had the hot pants she had the new like like dark blue boots it was like navy and red and then white they got rid of the like tacky yellow like that felt right and like the fact that nobody gets that bothers me <laughs> it just bothers me i know we need more we need more like costumers in comics yeah like really actually like cully hammer is like a really great designer and i think he was I think he might have come in and helped with a lot of like that new 52 mess <laughs> in terms of like fixing a lot of stuff that was going on with like rolled up jackets from like the 90s, maybe like early, like late 80s stuff that was going on at first. So I'm just like, who rolls up their sleeves on a leather jacket? We need to really just put a moratorium on that. Like nobody, that's, it's not even possible. You know, bringing it around to to the beginning of our discussion, maybe as more fashionable people start attending conventions and interacting with comic book artists, maybe it'll sink in. Maybe I, I would I would like to hope that it does because like that would that would honestly be my dream to like sit down like me and like Chris Anka or something like that and just redesign oh, yeah. entire universes for like Marvel or DC or any publisher that wants it. It's like, we're going to fix this. We're going to, like, Jubilee cannot wear that tired yellow trench coat anymore. This must stop. This must stop. Yes. Speaking of amazing uh, pieces of clothing, how's my beaded cape that you stole from me? It's doing well. I put it in a secure location in my office. (laughs) And post- a quarantine it will be returned to you i may be wearing it when it comes back to you but that's it will be fair returned. honestly it looked better on you i think so that's allowed I, I think it did something for me at least that night i think everybody was and what i really loved about it was that everybody either because they were like liquored up or not like was really accepting of the cape with my outfit uh-huh. you wouldn't have thought it would have worked but once i had it on people were like yep that's what that needed and you know what's the worst is that my outfit really needed it too and as i was leaving that night but this happened at um san diego comic con last year um and i was leaving the bar um after kwanzaa had uh taken my cape or i think i gave it to you i don't know someone i was going home early someone needed to to wear it and i walked and as i was leaving i saw someone on my nemesis list that and I and I had to talk to them and I was like god I, I almost wanted to be like wait here I'll be right back and I had to go get my cape again um because you know fashion really does it does it like it gives you power somehow absolutely and I think like it's it's just something like considering like the field that we work in you would think it'd be more top of mind like I, yes. I love all of my peers and stuff like that, but there are just like so many where I'm like, okay, so here's what you could have done. It's not wear your like weird hiking sandals. <laughs> <laughs> I um, legitimately have joked on Twitter, but I mean it. Like I should start a, a business where like a, a con wardrobe consulting business. 
Like you don't have to dress like this all the time, but when you're like, you know, in these environments where we're all hanging out and we're like networking and and being inspired by each other, just like a little, just, you know, elevated a little. Right. And to be honest, it's not like men especially have a lot of choices. Like our stuff's limited. And I've actually gone into like a pod wardrobe recently where it's just like, I've just been like wearing the same stuff, same colors, but, you know, complimentary like, you know, fits and cuts and stuff like that, of course. But it's only because it's like, I want to save all of my brain for the con. That's where I want to be like a bit more flashy and like put it on and stuff like that. Like, I love that Wicked party. Everybody brought it. Everybody. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody. That's what it's all about. Look, you can't you you can't go to a wake for a book drawn by Jamie McKelvey and not like have your best, you know, costume of yourself on. Exactly. And glitter. Yes, of course, glitter. <laughs> what's the glitter? What's the glitter situation going to be in a post-COVID world? Though I can't go around touching a hundred people's faces anymore. I think maybe you'll just have to get glitter-covered face masks. Yeah, maybe. Like custom ones and stuff like that. That'll be like the party, the new party hat. The new party hat go. is face masks. And I'm kind of cool with it. You know, yeah. you get different patterns or maybe you can do like paste and glitter right there on the spot. You know, where it's like, oh, put your own design on there. I'll have to get some kind of like projectile glitter. <laughs> <laughs> fireworks people call me we could rebrand exactly yeah uh so where can our listeners find you about the internet um you can find me on my brand spanking new but actually just not really announced website uh um if you're interested in black you can find that at blackthecomic.com and if you're interested in my humanoids work, you can find that over at uh, h1comics.com. Awesome. Um, and just again, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you've been extremely busy with all of your taking over comics and fashion and your day job and being a human. So um, <laughs> thank you so much for uh, coming to chat with us. And thank you again to Lou Palermo, who, uh, full disclosure, is my mom and loved your books. Um, And thank you to her for her donation to unlock the interview. And uh, yeah, comics are are good, or at least we're making comics good. And take care, everyone. Bye.